0: We, we just really do appreciate you getting in touch and sharing your thoughts and your stories and obviously this this podcast is all about that yeah
1: it's a very different kind of podcast we're gonna just literally put all of your comments center stage and we're gonna share them where you want to be anonymous you'll be anonymous but they're real food for thought and hopefully in everyone else being able to hear them and, and, and sort of mull over them mm. uh they'll prove helpful to, to others mm.
0: and please check out our podcast from last week where we yeah. where we did an in-depth talk about um, anorexia. And of course, we have the lovely Gemma to contribute. So yeah, wow. God, and on such a sad day today when Trevor Phillips' daughter has died as well. It just feels very poignant, doesn't it? Absolutely. Hello, welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. Um, it's a bit of a different one this week. Um, last week, we did... I thought it was actually really mo- moving yeah, chat, it was
1: really meaningful
0: about anorexia after the tragic news of Nikki Graham's death, and we were very blessed to have Gemma Oaten um, contribute to the, to the conversation.
1: And what a wonderful contribution was uh, it? I mean, it was! Wasn't it? Yeah, so oh my god! Wise, yeah.
0: So if you missed it, try and catch it because yeah. it was really great. And as you know, every week we ask for you to get involved through um, our social media platforms. And every week we read out your comments, but because it was it was such an in depth and longer conversation last mm-hmm. week, we didn't actually have time, and no. we just felt that would be wrong not to um, share your comments. So
1: absolutely, and there've been so many interesting yeah. and passionate.
0: So today we're going to we're going to do that and we're going to have a bit of a chat around them and see where the conversation
1: takes us. Um, I just wanted to share some other thoughts on this because um, when we do get to your comments I'm going to err on the side of caution when it comes to anonymity and what have Mm. you Um, but just to show that obviously what instigated this conversation was the tragic death of Nikki Graham but only today the daughter of Trevor Phillips the broadcaster Uh, died after a 22 year anorexia struggle so awful um, her sister wrote that Sushila like 36 a was a theory. best friend it's a nice and an inspiration theory, uh, I and think. that she died after living with anorexia for more than two and decades i think this one's rather
0: hopeful um,
1: and i don't know why They're, you know there's an element in all of this as we come out of lockdown that just doesn't surprise me i was trying to i was trying to explain it to someone earlier today i was recording something for some, someone else's podcast And in a weird way, it's like if you imagine that for many people who have pre-existing conditions, such as eating disorders, addictions and what have you, and this whole protracted lockdown has been a sort of elongated, stretch, stretch piece of bungee, Mm. what what is inevitably going to happen at the point that a so-called notional freedom kicks in and we can bounce back to normal is for a moment at least, and when I say a moment, I'm talking months, a sudden acceleration of people rushing down into the darker parts of their illnesses. Because in some some regards, you know, lockdown and all the limitations we've had have prevented us from almost overindulging in some ways. Some people have overindulged and other people haven't. Some people have felt comfort from the limitations that have been imposed upon them. But this point now, this vital point between still feeling like we're coming out of lockdown, we're going into freedom is, I'm finding it the most challenging moment in terms of my sobriety and my addictions. And it doesn't surprise me that we're getting almost casualties coming out. It's the coming down the hill. It's a
0: perfect storm to exacerbate yeah. whatever was going on for people yeah. anyway. Perfect storm. I'm actually really, really very frightened for how this is all going to turn out. And yeah. I don't think... I don't think the government... I mean, we were caught up in so much, but I don't think there's been enough attention paid to young people. And the trauma of
1: return. I mean, you know, I'm I'm doing a talk later about return anxiety, and it is about... There is a trauma that we've all gone through, Mm. and trauma is experienced differently Mm. for different people. And if you've got underlying conditions like eating disorders as Mm. well, then this moment is a moment of extreme potential danger triggering and all that. So... uh, Terribly so,
0: yeah. sad about Trevor Phillips towards just... Sad. He battled, apparently, you know, things like he used to have to lock the doors, child lock the doors, because she would try and throw herself out of the car. God. You know, this is th- the family left behind, mm. God almighty. Yeah. This is t- two decades, over two decades, of yeah. trying to save her life.
1: And if you've got any doubt as a listener, you know, any of these compulsive... um mental health issues which is what they are these are not lifestyle choices and I think it's really important we stress that because I said that in our last chat I think it's really important and a number of people have have contacted me when I was talking about it in regards to alcoholism again these aren't lifestyle choices they can easily be characterized as such by people who don't want to engage with how complicated they are Mm. but they're not Mm. These, these, these are these are proper illnesses so um, so, shall we just dive in uh-huh. with, with comments? Uh, some of you have direct messaged us. We haven't been able to access all our DMs, unfortunately, but many of you have contacted us on Instagram too. Um, as I say, I'm going to err on the side of anonymity where I, where I think I should. Um, this one here is a direct message. It says, so society drives disordered eating and self-hate. The beauty diet industry tells us we're always too fat and feeds off our insecurities and in general is over-sexualized and makes us prioritize looks over everything. Food consumerism promotes and normalises overeating, always eating convenience food, takeaways, 800-calorie sharing of bags of crisps full of salt, oil and salt, normalised as a snack for one person, or maybe that's just me. It's no wonder we're all messed up. Weight loss is celebrated, therefore even if weight gain is not actively being shamed, it will feel shameful by default. Mm. Sorry, I'm just going on a bit of a rant here, but it actually feels almost impossible to eat normally, and that Mm. is from someone called Hannah.
0: I so I agree with every single Very word she says.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I really do. I just think it is so confusing. The messages are so mixed the whole time. God help us all. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, no, and, and reading <laughs> that. Is, disordered and chaotic eating, which is the other, you know, I mean, obviously the spectrum is broad with eating disorders and... You know, we've never suffered with anything so dreadful as as anorexia and so challenging. But we have we battle all the time with disordered course, and chaotic yeah. eating, and but- we swing from one thing to the other. And that is hard enough. So God knows what it's like when you've got a daily voice living mm. in your head, in the way that Gemma Oaten described so brilliantly in last week's episode, mm. just and- driving you to to starve and to exercise, and it's just, just awful.
1: And I think I, I mentioned. the the same thought in the last chat which is we you know is it any wonder we have disordered chaotic eating when we have a societal attitude towards food Mm. that is disordered and chaotic Chaotic, exactly i mean you know we are merely reflecting what's being i hate to use the analogy force fed to us because it is being force-fed to us. We are having images force-fed mm. to us of so-called beauty, of so-called perfect weight. We're having certain diets force-fed to us. Mm. You know, and,
0: and as Hannah says, all the while, portions getting bigger and bigger. Absolutely. When we were growing up, there weren't vending machines on the tube platforms. There weren't yeah. co- coffee shops and donut shops everywhere that you had to wait for longer than two minutes. There weren't 800-calorie sharing bags of crisps. Yeah. And yet, the obsession seems to have got more intense about the way that we look and yet the portions have got bigger and you will have the most ludicrously calorific food alongside and the next hour you've got all like she says all this diet mm. you know plastic diet food so it's,
1: it's really hard and the other side of the, the equation in terms of lockdown a very specific byproduct of what's happened in lockdown of course is you know the the uh, you know the sort of mushrooming of all these various companies that can get food to your door, Uber Eats, Deliveroo, mm. Just Eat. But not only just get... I mean, it's weird. Even in the category of door delivery, home delivery food, we've moved from sort of just obvious sort of Indian and Chinese takeaways. We've now moved to fast food stores getting stuff with yeah. you. But you can also now order and bars, crisps sweets and crisps. Chop- and so you don't
0: even have to walk You don't, to the don't even have to walk anymore. to the
1: corner shop. And if you think about that, that is just—it's like—it's like being able to indulge your addiction mm. at the flick of a button. Um, some other comments here, uh, anonymous. My sixteen-year-old daughter has been diagnosed with anorexia during this lockdown.
0: Oh God! Our oh, heart goes out to you. That's—that's the that's journey. But I think. I hope that you listen to last week's podcast because, as Gemma said, it's very, very important that we also have hope. And Gemma yeah. is recovered, and there are people that are recovered. Because you will hear a lot, oh, you can never get over an erection, you can yeah. never get over it. You know, addiction is always... Well, it's not true. People do get recovered. I mean, it's not to say that it's not always something that you have I, to be mindful yeah. of. But, um, yeah, our uh, I, I, I heart goes out to you because it is going to be... A bit of a journey for you and your
1: daughter. But I do think you know I, it's funny as you say the word recovered I suppose maybe it's because I'm a recovering alcoholic for me what being recovered means is, is that you're dealing one day at a time because if you ever let your guard down that's the point at which you can get sort of sabotaged in a way so I think what was really interesting about what Gemma was saying was you just have to be constantly plugged into it and be aware because you know you're dealing with an internal voice that's constantly telling you to self-sabotage and sabotage is the key to all of these addictions. Sabotage is the key to my own eating disorders. I sabotage the progress I make. I sabotage the self-esteem I find for myself. I sabotage the progress by just binge eating at the end of the day. And the reason I'm sort of mentioning myself here is just someone says here, and we're the only bloke in the room, uh, Poodle says it's not recognised enough that it can affect boys and men too. Mm, and there, there, isn't increased, uh, mm. there are increased cases of anorexia and, bul- and bulimia. And body dysmorphia. yeah. Real body dysmorphia, and I can really identify with that because I think if I when I when I realize now and I look back, I was a teenage boy, I was, you know, I was doing I was doing weights in a way that was obsessive. I wanted to have obviously some kind of idea of a certain type of body. If you'd then added to all of this the ability to be able to eat as much as we could eat now, or do you know what I mean? It could it would have become a much bigger problem for me at a much yeah. earlier stage. Yeah. Um and I think it is it's key to know that boys you know, boys can fall foul of this too. And one thing we mustn't do. And with so boys.
0: can grown adults. You yeah. know, people. Uh, I mean, your mum worked, as we've said before, in the anorexia anorexian unit, didn't she, in yeah. her, um, Tooting for years? And she said, people tend to think this just happens to young girls. It doesn't actually say it happens to boys as well, but also to to people in their middle ages. Yeah. You know, a loss of control of their life. You know, maybe a divorce, maybe a job loss, and 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 that need for con- getting control back of their life can sometimes result yeah. in in eating disorder. So,
1: mm. and I think a lot of issues for boys. I mean, there's a there's a whole kind of machismo element with boys as well you know, it's not macho to have an eating disorder. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it goes underground, it mm. goes hidden, it gets yeah. hidden. There's as much pressure to look as physically mm. fit and fine and as ripped and all this kind of malarkey. But, you know, there's also going to be that element of being ribbed, being teased, being bullied, if you if you are seen to be kind of in any way sort of thinking about your body image. And if you're thinking about your body image obsessively, it becomes even more secretive. Um, I
0: remember when Freddie Flintoff came on to mm. Loose Women, um... For the men's loose men and the way that he spoke about his bulimia, you know, it's just absolutely heartbreaking. And many actually male celebrities that are spoken to about their eating disorders, it's no lesser horror. No. And yet I think that somewhere a lot of people do sort of think that. Well, it's not as bad. No, no, it it, it, it can follow exactly the same path.
1: And also binge eating follows exactly the same pattern as binge Mm. drinking. Mm. I mean, if I think throughout my life, I can, if I choose to think, it's not as sexy for me as a recovering alcoholic to think about the periods of my life where I was eating more. But if I think back to those sort of bachelor pad periods where I was drinking more, I was Mm. also eating more. I was Mm. binge eating and starving Mm. myself during the week in order to be able to drink more, you know. Drink and food and all of these issues, they all start to intersect with mm, each other because yeah. we start to use them to the, help. The
0: lines get blurred.
1: Yeah. Jess here says, My daughter is beast. She hates herself and has started oh. to self-harm because of oh, her weight. I'm that's... so desperate for her, she refuses to talk. I worry it'll get worse.
0: I honestly can very much recommend Overeaters Anonymous. It's a free service. It follows the same program as... Alcoholics Anonymous or Cocaine Anonymous, and it recognises that people can be addicted to food or use food to comfort feelings, to shut down feelings, to swallow down feelings in the way that shopping food, sex, shopping, sex, booze, drugs can. And, you know, I I would suggest listening to this. There's thousands of them online, Overeaters Anonymous, thousands of them. Mm. You can, I mean, obviously at the moment... I'm sure they're not. There are running,
1: virtual meetings,
0: but there's virtual meetings. Zoom but meetings you can't. Yeah. and you know, it could be, it could be the right thing for your daughter. And they say try six meetings before you decide it's not for you. Yeah. And what I would also say is, don't be freaked out by the word God because they talk about God, but it doesn't. It's not It's it's only God is whatever it means to you. Yeah, when I is, went, yeah. it was about. You know, just a power greater than me because me trying to control my eating wasn't working. Yeah. So I needed something else. But I really, really, really recommend she tries that. Mm.
1: Um, this is anonymous. Lockdown caused me to have a major relapse. I was removed from university. Gemma's death has shocked me. It's made me want to beat this illness more than ever now. Mm. I did until COVID came. I was seen weekly before COVID came, but now only have physical monitoring every six weeks. That's obviously an answer to whether you feel there's sufficient treatment, mm. uh, support and, and, and mm. what have you.
0: I wonder if if um, you have come across Seed, um, charity that Gemma Oaten and her parents... Run. It might be might be a help to yeah, you. Yeah. And Beat also is another very Absolutely. good um, eating disorder um, charity because it, I mean it seems to us, doesn't it? Having thought and talked about this over the last couple of weeks, that we're just woefully, woefully let down. People are. We talked a lot last week about how the whole thing about the BMI and you have to be yeah. a certain BMI before you can get help, and it's just so frustrating for you or, or your family. You know, if you're listening that, that it, it, it gets left into, to a point where it's just until your need is dire. I'm really hoping some change is brought about after Nikki, mm. because I know there's been a lot more conversations going on, which, of course, is very frustrating for people that have been campaigning for years. But whatever way, really, that's
1: mm. what we need, isn't it? Um, Sarah says, I became anorexic at 29 Eating disorders are all about manipulation of those people around you to allow you to continue. And that, that's one of the problems with it. I thought one thing that Gemma talked about last week that was really interesting was the idea of confrontation and challenge. Mm. Um, on the, and this is a twofold thought that I've got here. Confrontation and challenge when you're dealing with someone who, who's in the throes of an addiction of any form, an eating disorder or a mental health crisis involving compulsive behaviour, you know, for those around them, obviously there's a for those who are struggling with relatives. There's an organisation called Al-Anon. It's a twelve step program for you've been to it, haven't you, Nadia? Mm-hmm. For sort of people, families, families, families of people with addictions. Um, but one of the things about confrontation and challenging someone, a you should try and avoid to do it as a parent anyway, because. What the challenge or confrontation offers up to, say, the addict or the patient or the person who's struggling with their mental health or their eating disorder, the challenge or confrontation allows them to hold you further at arm's length. It suits the person struggling with their eating disorder to push you away. Mm. And so what you're actually doing by any any form of confrontation, it must be the most difficult thing to achieve. How to talk, how to keep staying kind, how to keep reaching in. But try and do it without any heat, without any judgment, without any accusation. Because the more you do that, I'd say the more you stand a chance of reaching your loved one. Because as soon as you go to the point of saying, but I know you're being like this. The the disease in the patient, if you like, the disease in the relative that's struggling is asking you to confront them. Because Mm -hmm. by confrontation, they will hold you at arm's length. They will go secret. They will hide. They will lock away. Everything will start to kick in. And that's just a truism I found from all of our experiences of, Mm. you know, Mm. addiction.
0: And again, in last week's podcast, Gemma's very good on that, isn't she, and and giving advice on that.
1: Um, My son is 10. He's been controlling food for five years, trying no chance of help before puberty. My mum was always controlling our food obsessively. I'm now an overeater, letting her down.
0: Oh, that's so sad. So sad. Yeah.
1: so sad, I mean, I do think, you know, it's funny how, you know, attitudes to food do run through families, don't they? I mean, it's not Of course they do. Like, everything
0: is learnt by, by... It's learnt behaviour, isn't it? It's like I always say, the biggest social media influencer is actually us as parents. Keep Maddie's chaotic eating comes directly from watching me with my chaotic eating. I mean, I'm much better now, but when yeah. she was younger and I, I didn't have consciousness... Uh, you know, I fed her a a behaviour, a behaviour pattern. Yeah. just did, you know, there's no way around it. It makes me sad, but it's a fact.
1: Yeah. But you in turn will have picked that up from somewhere else. It's like my yeah. binge eating, for example, I've entirely learned from my, my family's attitude to food. Your, might, really your family's lot. attitude
0: to food is so bad. I mean, my man's
1: my mum's, my, my you know, it's one of just... Your mum will turn
0: food down all day long and, and, and then, then eat it three o'clock in of the, of the
1: night. morning. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very, very strange. Um... These are some answers in, in relationship to, you know, whether parents know, how do parents know or whether parents know if you've had an eating disorder. Uh, someone here says, they knew I had one. They helped me. They didn't know it had come back, though. I'm now 38 and it's never over. Oh, sweetie. Um, uh, someone else says, no, she was the first to know and suspect it even before a diagnosis. Someone else here says, our daughter hid it really well. Mm. You know, I mean, it's a, you know, so really, I mean, this really is cunning, what you, cunning. It's illness.
0: a cunning, and I feel so sorry for those parents that have that their child has managed to hide it from them because that enormous guilt. Yeah. I mean, I understand that we can't control these things, but as we know, guilt, they, there shouldn't be any guilt, you know, because as you say, it's an incredibly cunning disease. I mean, I knew somebody with anorexia and it was just amazing the way that she dressed. She would eat huge bowls of stuff. But it would be almost zero-calorie yeah. stuff. Oh, I've got a lovely dressing on here, but she wouldn't be eating the dressing. It would be just a massive salad. Sure. So, yeah, I, th- I think that it's... And, and a lot of uh, a lot of the stories that I hear is that often the anorexic will spend a lot of time cooking and preparing meals for everybody else. So there's mm. this feeling that they're okay around food.
1: Mm.
0: So, yeah, it's very easy to deceive people.
1: Yeah. Uh, Someone who wants to remain anonymous. My family is so supportive, yet I still don't know why I'm afraid to tell them what happened. I'm ashamed and embarrassed about the lowest and weakest point in my life. Mm, I normally tell my supportive mum everything, but can never bring myself to tell her this still. I'm 19 and was anorexic for four years. I recovered on my own, and my family still doesn't know.
0: Wow. You know, it's the shame and guilt wow. that comes along with an illness, with any with a mental health yeah. condition like this, that keeps you away from getting help, doesn't it? Yeah, That's absolutely. how the disease works. Yeah. Keeps you ashamed. Like, when you went into rehab, one of the first things that you had to do was admit everything, yes. wasn't it? To rid yourself of the shame and yeah. guilt that was exacerbating and keeping this circular like nightmare
1: and going And what's really important is for anyone who's listening to this who is struggling and keeping it private I mean it's not an exact comparison because of course the thing about alcohol is you can live a relatively normal life with no alcohol going into your body the difficulty with food is yeah. you have to eat and mm. this is the perennial problem with this and why eating disorders in many regards shouldn't be looked at as a sort of just a sort of behavioural tick where you can, you're not in control of it, your lifestyle choice, it's the most fundamental of problems because we have to take food in. But you're right, at the point for me of acknowledging I was essentially powerless over this compulsion and addiction, in the short term at least, an enormous release and relief kicks in. Mm. You, you, you have to give up the fight. And sometimes in giving up the fight, that's where you can start to get better. But it's mm. how do you get to that point without having absolutely crashed your mm. body, or your mind, or your family into a wall? And that's the heartbreaking difficulty. That's where, that's why, and where we need as many charities like mm. Gemma's helping people find the right kind of therapy, the right kind of therapeutics, the right, right support, kind of support, the right
0: peer absolutely. peer understanding. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, someone else here, anonymous, never told a soul. I'm ashamed of it. I fear people knowing would make my problem worse. Mm. Uh, someone else here. i used to hide food in the bin beneath rubbish when no one was looking not entirely dissimilar to me hiding bottles of alcohol in the garden you know again there are parallels and sometimes you know what there's great worth i think if you're struggling with food of connecting with someone who's struggling with something else because there are huge crossovers there's a i'm always a big believer in finding parallels in what seem like other types of addiction Mm. you know you can there are so many crossovers that by talking to someone who maybe, you know, someone who's an alcoholic or there's someone in your family that struggles with alcohol, who's got a grip on it a bit. Try and share with them about your own experiences, too, because they'll really understand where you're at. Do you know mm. what I mean? Someone here just says, uh, just told my dad he's been brilliant. I binge eat to make myself feel better. Love your podcast. Now, Maggie talked, I thought, very... Interestingly, about how... that's our
0: daughter Maddie. Yeah,
1: how how youngsters during lockdown have, have binge eaten mm. throughout, and I, I you know I, th- I know the comfort of binge. What is what is going on when we binge? Eat? What is the is it just just swallowing
0: down your feelings? Yeah, yeah. there's a hit. What is it? And it, and and with junk food, don't forget they have psychologists working, neurologists who work out the exact amount of sugar and salt that you need to keep you coming back to keep that to keep that serotonin pumping, yeah. that feel-good feeling when yeah. you
1: eat chip. And it's no wonder that in lockdown we've all turned oh back to God. that sort of I mean, I've been ordering
0: McDonald's at midnight like I'm a 16-year-old <laughs> kid. I mean, what the hell is going on?
1: Yeah, <laughs> and within... and The food,
0: I've been, we've all been eat, comfort eating.
1: And in that sense, as someone here says, Rosie, lockdown has really flared up my binge eating disorder issues. My mum has no clue. You're right. And it's... And I'll tell you what the other problem with lockdown, the other thing that's really aggravated it... And this is a this is another element of most addictions and compulsive behavior and, and eating disorders is we feel justified in it because we've all gone through something or we're all going through something where there's an element of being able to say to ourselves, well, we're going through a global pandemic. Mm. You know, I if, if the, when I've been most at risk of picking up a drink is when I thought, well, everyone else is having a drink. I've got nothing to indulge myself. So what do I do? I turn to food. Food is a quick alternative Mm. to get that absolute binge fix, which is short-lived, short-term, and invariably has the opposite effect on you in the long run. Um, Someone here says, yes, at risk of not being believed, even now, years later and after a formal diagnosis, I'm not sure I'm believed by my parents. Food was, and I guess always will be, a trigger
0: yeah, I mean, there will be some wow. young people listening here whose parents actually are in denial and don't want to hear it. And I, my heart goes out wow, to yeah. those parents and to those kids because that's that. I mean, that's incredibly difficult there that yes. she wasn't believed. That's yes. incredibly tough.
1: Really? Where difficult. does she go from there? Yeah, absolutely. My God, uh, Megan says I've recently lost my period and I feel so alone with it. I'm 21 and terrified of my eating disorder. Oh,
0: sweetie, oh, sweet heart. Please do reach out to Seed or a beat um and and i don't know whether you've got any help yet from your doctor but if you've got a sympathetic doctor reach out don't deal with this on your own there is help out there Mm. Uh,
1: someone who says i was an adult going through a divorce and developed more of a disorder which i think was always there and even as an adult kept it a secret probably through shame it's not about weight it's about control exactly yeah um Thankfully, my daughter doesn't have an eating disorder, but she has had people tell her she looks like she's starving to death because she's very slim. Uh, Now she obsesses about her looks. Why don't people think before speaking? And this is a really important thing, this, because...
0: There are some people that are naturally
1: skinny that have a nightmare with this. But also it can be something... Almost
0: being accused of being anorexic.
1: Which but also, is, but it can be something as simple as someone saying something. I mean, you know can, words can yeah, hurt yeah. so much. You never know
0: what's what kind of private hell yeah. people are
1: in. And I would make I would I would make this huge recommendation if you're a youngster or a parent of a youngster that that wants to for whatever reason go on social media and post images of themselves and feels the need to do that and is going to do that. Sometimes consider whether you should sometimes knock the comments off. You know, mm. sometimes switch the ability to put comments off just, or just just float that mm. thought because it can be just a, a sideswipe from some absolute arsehole somewhere that will just niggle, niggle away at you and nibble away at your self-esteem. And, you know, and I mean, social media is such a complex part of the whole thing. Um, someone here says, oh, my God, daughter was 12 when an eating disorder struck last year. It rips through all relationships. God
0: shoe 12, it's so hard.
1: Someone else says, we're in the early stages with our daughter and it's terrifying. I'm so out of my depth. Reach reach out for seed. Reach yeah. out for seed, please. Um, Emma, uh, my son is the other way. He comfort eats. As a child, he would hide food to eat in case I took it off him, but I mm. didn't. Mm. Yes. I've got a friend that's going Storing through this at food. the moment
0: with her son. She keeps finding food. Really? Yeah. And, What's It's
1: um, like it's like sort of. Well, he's
0: hiding food to binge, and then he's he's being sick. You know, he's. Wow. He's, um, yeah, just because I think what can often happen w- is that you know they're wanting to lose weight. Like he wanted to lose weight, but he can't. He wants to eat as well, yes. so eat and oh then throw God. it up. It's oh just God. so
1: hard. Uh, someone else here says two years of fighting for help for our daughter once diagnosed, and there's a family, spending every day fearing. Um, and here is Helen saying, "Leaving our daughter at an eating disorder clinic that was two hours away was heartbreaking." Oh God, oh.
0: this is—that's the other thing, isn't it? <sighs> if you're having to leave your child miles away,
1: oh, oh God. Don't. Uh, this is anonymous. My mum's disordered eating impacted me in a strange way. When I was growing up, I didn't realise that mums were allowed to eat the same as everyone else. Oh, God damn, that's
0: what I've been like. my kids. Like mums it. were
1: only allowed to eat salad. Used to stuff my face, thinking better. T- I'm, I'm thinking, thinking I'm better to this now before I have to start eating salad. Oh. We'd go to mates' houses and thought. Sorry, I'm just reading this across. The thing I thought they were so weird. Only when I became an adult myself did I realise. Would never tell my mum. I used to think this; it would really upset her, and she is much better with food.
0: Mm.
1: That's Be interesting. Care for Be careful what yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, we do in front of our kids, isn't it? We are
0: we influence them all every single day yeah. of their
1: lives. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh
0: god, and we're both binge eaters.
1: Oh, don't! And we chaos, chaos, chaos. Mm. And as I sit here now, just thinking about it, I'm thinking, but we are in a pandemic. So you can see how in a small way and in a large way, this mm. this lockdown crisis is an aggravator of, of underlying issues. Mm. It's amplified and magnified all of those problems that we already have. Mm. Oh, Oh,
0: wow. Thank Thank you so much. much. We did feel it was very important to read out your comments as you'd taken the trouble to share with us Mm. what, you know, is a very difficult thing to share. Mm. So, you know, thank you so much for that.
1: And do know that there are places you can reach out to. There's Gemma's charity. There are other charities like Beat, Um, you know. And as I say again and again... Do look beyond just eating disorder sort of groups as well. Reach out to other people. You know, the, there is a broad umbrella of mental health conditions. It is a mental health illness. I think Gemma really wanted to hammer that mm. home. This is a mental health illness. Mm. This isn't a lifestyle choice. choice. And if you choose, if you, you know, if you're dealing with children, just think about the language you're using at all times, and avoid confrontation. <sighs>
0: And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Ta-da!